Oh, yeah. Well, this praise song, Pass the Cruncher, and we talk about Prophet, Priest, or King, a new game about the Ascension. Get a couple diaspora. It's time for Table Talk Radio. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. What makes lockdown torturous? This is Table Talk Radio. You know, it wouldn't be so bad. Just, wow. Just plain old lockdown, not, not a, a big deal. But with Table Talk that, Radio... Right? They, where they like blast like heavy metal music, yeah. People in prison to break them down, yeah, yeah. If it's just you know, hopefully like the CIA never finds out about Table Talk Radio, <laughs> then they'll be okay. All sorts of I'll tell you everything tortures. you want to know. <laughs> just, just shut just... it off. <laughs> I think that's right. It's like you know the road trip because everybody's got to do the road trip now because no one wants to go in the in the airplanes. The flying tubes of virus or whatever. Mm -hmm. So everyone's going to go on the road trips, and the kids and the parents can say, "If you two don't settle down, I'm going to put on another episode of Table Talk Radio." (laughs) Instant obedience. Talk about third use of the law. Uh, I don't think coercive obedience is the third use of the law. (laughs) What pow? Look at how Christian they are. Because I might be one of the radio. (laughs) That's like. I might be one of these antinomians, but I'm not sure coercive. Yeah. I'm going to get all technical already in the beginning of the show. I'm just making jokes. Hey, take it easy. We're, this is joke hey. time. This is not theology yeah, time. Hey, buddy, why don't you start telling some jokes? So hey, you've been doing all the show prep lately. That, I've been, I've been uh, pretty, pretty impressed uh, with you. Hey, thanks. That's a Brian Regan reference, by the way. Yeah. Hey, aren't you supposed to be telling some Why don't you start cranking them out, clown boy? <laughs> Remember that part of the Brian Regan show? I don't know Brian Regan. You know what Regan I listened to the other like day? You do. Is uh, I, I was, I, you know, Jim Gaffigan, who is what used to be the funniest man alive, and I thought, ah, it's kind of getting oh, a little bit stale. Yeah. yeah, all this fat jokes and everything. But then I just I clicked on the you know the YouTube sent me a Jim Gaffigan thing, and uh, because they love me, you know, the algorithm loves me. <laughs> The algorithm, but I've, I found out that the algorithm, though, is is sort of like a, the YouTube algorithm is kind of like a passive-aggressive friend. <laughs> like, they yeah. are, they, there are certain things that they want you to do and other things that they don't. Like, getting work done is not, it's like, it's like when you start, it's like when you're the, you're married, you're the first guy married out of all your friends and all your friends are like come on come hang out with us like, well, i gotta go home and take they're like, nah, come on that's like the youtube algorithm but i don't know what i was gonna that? i was gonna liken it to a uh, high maintenance girlfriend <laughs> well 
I just don't know what that <laughs> server was like. It could, you could be right. So, so the YouTube algorithm wants me to. It's kind of heating It's like, hey, here's some Jim Gaffigan. Okay, I'll watch Jim Gaffigan. And he has this ten minute segment on horses, and it was pretty funny, you know. And he he pulled some. He he kind of he riffed off some old uh, Seinfeld horse stuff, you know the. Broken leg and the you know, blue business. And, you know, uh, it's pretty funny. Gaffigan has a pretty good bit on horses. That's what I'm talking about. Jim oh, oh, I thought I thought you were on Regan. No, no, I was. I switched over to Jim Gaffigan. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I saw I, that thing on horses. It was pretty funny. No. He's like, <laughs> just don't, just don't glue the horseshoe on. You can use <laughs> nails, just don't use glue. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Like, right. uh, I like he brought back his like the the his little aunt in the front row voice, you know, who doesn't <laughs> think that anything he does is funny. How many more horse jokes is he gonna tell? I don't That's know. That's it. And then he, he started, <laughs> I promise, no more horses. Let's talk about ponies. <laughs> <laughs> that you know the beating a horse to death kind of thing? Yeah. I think that was the, the That's what he was going for. There. And that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, was that the segue back to our show? Thanks. Yeah. All right. So do. let's let's do some buzzwords. Okay. I got one for you. It's called Ascension. Ascension. That's I've the name of, of my buzzword. Sounds familiar. Do you know the what name of a word and a word are the same thing? <laughs> Unless you're talking about like letters. Then they have different names versus what they are. But otherwise, a word and the name of a word are the same. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Never. I've never had until just exactly right now. The ascension thank, of thank Jesus. Thank you for sharing the inner monologue with the rest of us. <laughs> what is he going to stop talking to himself? Should there be a filter on this? Should he maybe reserve so, some thoughts for the, his inner self? I'm going to. I'm going to put. <laughs> I'm going to put forth <laughs> uh, uh, a thesis here. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The ascension is the third most important event in the list of important events. Number one is death and resurrection of Jesus. Number one event, the most important events. Number two is the incarnation of Jesus. And number three is the ascension of Jesus. I do not think that there's any more, in, more important event. And, and so to think about the ascension is, I mean, there's so much there. But Jesus now takes up the full use of his divine majesty as he sits at the right hand of the Father to rule and reign all things for the sake of his church. I think that the ascension is mentioned in the scriptures about as many times as the crucifixion, especially like in the letters of Paul. It's all over the place. It's that important. And it means so much, and we hardly think of it. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because we celebrate it on a Thursday night or something. But I heard somewhere, I was talking about this in Bible class yesterday, and someone said that there's a country, Norway or Finland or one of those countries, that that they actually get off of work on the ascension day. Now, I don't know if that's because they're socialists and so they don't hardly work at all or if they're actually celebrating the ascension which is what it sounds like which is nice hmm. i like that idea maybe you should so we uh, ought to celebrate the ascension i think we're going to play a game about it if we have time in this show call, call your congressman and suggest that hey yeah that's right why don't we get off on ascension of course we don't work at all anymore <laughs> that's true why do we why do we not get to work is the question all right my theological buzzword for you is diaspora now you're saying that it's okay to not work for ascension, but not okay to not work for Corona. Is that was that what your little jab is about? Yep. Okay. Diaspora. Diaspora. 
It's like when you get a headache, you're like, anyone got any diaspora? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you use that word in its proper context, I'll give you 500 points. Uh, no, uh, this talks about this how... This show gives me a headache. <laughs> Table Talk Radio's coming on. Get out the diaspora. <laughs> no, this is talking about how the uh, Jewish people are scattered throughout the world as a result of the uh, Babylonian captivity. It's totally so, different than... Um, you know, you know, the used to be that <laughs> you could find people in the, uh, the, the Holy land. <laughs> like what is so funny over there? The diaspora. <laughs> anyway, um, I know you don't like to laugh at my jokes, but I don't, I don't, I usually, well, I, I don't, I don't think it's true to say that I usually don't because, uh, I have to pretend. I have to pretend laugh constantly to to make this show keep <laughs> this rolling. Accident is a true laugh. This is not a laugh track. I actually got a real true laugh. Anyway, so when the uh, when Israel is carried away to um, the Babylonian captivity, um, they are. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think how long the captivity was. Seventy years. Seventy years. Do you right. know? Do you know about this? That it was a, it, the the prophets explained why the captivity was seventy years. Now it's 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 kind of difficult because you have three waves of going into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. You have like right. wave one, which is D- Daniel, and then wave two, and then wave three, which is the destruction five eighty six, five eighty seven. And then you have the decree to return under Cyrus, and that's when you know the Nehemiah and then Ezra comes back. But the but that the Lord. So it depends on what date you're counting. But the Lord actually says, "I'm it's seventy years, and this is why." is because for 490 years, you did not keep the Sabbath year. So remember how every seven years they're supposed to let the land rest, right, and then right. every seven, seven, the Jubilee year, 50 years, they were supposed to uh, they were supposed to go back to their original land and all this sort of stuff. Well, they never did that. And so the Lord says, I'm cashing in on the Sabbaths that you owe me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and right. that is also interesting because I heard some guy say, I don't know, remember who I was talking to, someone said that the that this coronavirus, the st- this is the Lord cashing in on his Sabbaths. In other words, he says, I will get my rest one way or another. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's an <laughs> interesting thought. <laughs> I don't know about that either, but interesting nonetheless. So as as uh, Israel scattered throughout the land, um, this is uh, referred to the diaspora. Now, um, uh, there have been some who have applied this to the time that we Christians are living in now. It's a, probably a loose application, but one that could uh, serve helpful nonetheless. That is to say that um, as as we as a lot of Christians throughout the world are not able to uh, go to their um, the the altar, the, the place of worship, um, that they you know, are faithful in their readings of devotions at home, perhaps, but uh, cannot receive the Lord's Supper. Uh, that there is a time in which we are in this uh, what captivity of not being into uh, go to the Lord's house uh, until this is all lifted again. Mm. So, what make of that what you will? But mm. uh, your theological buzzword is diaspora. Okay. All right, so give us a, a rundown of the lineup today. We're almost out of time in the first segment, but we're going to uh, do. We got a submission for the praise song cruncher. Someone says, "Hey, this one they think is going to pass." I don't even know what it is. All it says is this. 
show ha- this song has a chance. And then after that, we're going to play an ascension game called Prophet, Priest, or King. Rules are still coming together on that. Is this going to is this going to put to test your theory that the ascension is the third most important event? It might manifest in that way. All right. Yes. Just yeah, use- I give you. I'll give you twenty points for using the buzzword. All right. All right. That was getting five hundred. Because it was you bad. It. Yeah. It was. Hardly even any effort. Not no creativity at all. Hearing you say the buzzword like that makes me want a diaspora. Table Talk Radio, answering the age-old question. If a radio show is broadcasting and no one listens, does it still make a sound? Hello, I'm Hans Feeney, creator of Lutheran Satire. I'm encouraging you to listen to Cross-Eyed Christian, this theologically deep but tonally lighthearted podcast hosted by Pastor Gavin Mize. You should listen because Gavin is funny, a sharp thinker, and a faithful theologian, despite sounding like Joe Dirt with a mouthful of Novocaine. Enjoy the show, folks. I, I'm telling you, we don't even need it. We don't even need the music. I got you covered, man. Yeah, it's basically basically the same thing. In fact, I have a hard time distinguishing the real music versus the sounds that are coming out of your mouth. Well, just to let you know, I was singing along. <laughs> oh, really? Didn't know that. All right, so here we do some praise song crunching. I think okay. uh, maybe you've heard of this, but uh, Stephen from Las Vegas, Nevada, sends us an email. It says, esteemed theologians, oh. Pastor Gigline. Oh, yeah, you're on here, too. Pastor oh. Wolfmuller. And- I just assumed uh, esteemed theologians went to the wrong address. <laughs> Question, talk back at issues, etc. That's what you're here for. No, it says, praise song for you. It even references baptism, which is rare for any song not written by a Lutheran. That is true. Curious if it has a chance to hey, squeak through your well, sandpaper gloves. I think that that is inter- very interesting. The idea that baptism, Lutherans are always talking about the baptism, you know, but hardly hardly anyone else. I mean, I, 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 I don't know enough to say, but do you think that the Catholic theologians talk as much about baptism as the Lutheran theologians? How would you test that th- thesis? That Lutherans, not even just our doctrine of baptism is different, but that our our discussion, our 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 use of baptism, the frequency of the use of a particular theological topic in the conversations. Well, I mean, how would you measure that? I don't know how you'd measure, but anecdotally, I mean, I think it's true. I mean, it's just just you think about the sermons that you hear from from Lutherans versus others. Um, Rarely does it talk about baptism otherwise unless it's like baptism day or something. Um, now, I, I, What is now, baptism day? Uh, you know, the day that they're going to be doing some baptism oh, in the oh, church. I see. But you know, as far as the, the Catholic question, I would, uh, I would speculate to say that I, I doubt that it does find center place in uh, sermons and, and uh, as, uh, I don't know, as a way of reading scripture to, to find baptism as, as something important, because if you remember um, that, that baptism is the first plank and then confession is the second plank. So, so you have to, you have to graduate on past baptism in Roman Catholic theology. Did I ever tell you the story about the, the martini sipping priests 
at the restaurant. Oh I, yeah, oh yeah. I, and I told him that whole thing. You guys think baptism is just the the is the ship that shipwrecked? And I'm like, no, uh, we, we don't do not think that. <laughs> like, is that Thomas Aquinas talked about it or whoever did? And I used to know. And they said no, no. And so the next Friday they came back and I'm serving their them their martinis and I pulled out a Thomas Aquinas quote. <laughs> nice. And they're like, wow, well, we don't believe that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we... Then you said, that's funny, that the priest, the priest at that table said they did believe that. Yeah, yeah that's right. You... <laughs> you guys are causing so many divisions in the church. That's what we are. Every time we talk to a Catholic, because they believe, I mean, it's just, the, you know, the same... Di- uh, anyway, this is a thing that gets me, because they're always looking at us. They're like, ah, Luther caused the division of the church. And you, th- and you realize, you Catholics can't agree on anything you know two catholics three opinions the only thing they agree on is that the pope's in charge and they don't even agree on that anymore i got an email where's this email and it says it's uh, a guy a guy wrote me a note and he says i've been watching your videos and on the youtubes and i'm catholic but i think uh, but i really think luther was right on justification and i also think that this pope is the anti-pope and I was like, that's really close. Just change one word in that. <laughs> and he says, I'm, I wanted, I'm interested in becoming Luther. I'm trying to figure this out. This is, I mean, so it's interesting. But, so this is the, so the, it's, it's starting to crack. I mean, with the current Pope, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of tough. It's like the one thing you've got is the Pope and it's not a very good one mm. and you're really in trouble. Yeah. Good but, point. Anyway, uh, okay. what were we talking about? We're about this praise song that has baptism in it, apparently. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. Stephen, oh, Stephen a... continues. He says, it's kind of repetitious, huh. sort of like my favorite theological game shows. Uh, he well. says, keep on keeping on. Repetitious? Your, your audience does. There's one th- there's, it's, to be repetitious is one thing. Just to forget what you said is different. Is another. <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right, so this song is called It's All About the Cross by oh. the Ball Brothers, and this is what it sounds like. Sounds like from the 90s, Stephen Curtis Chapman sound. <laughs> 4.3 million views. It's not just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sing for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds on the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. Ooh, what do you think of that That's so interesting. Far? Well, let's just take the musicality off the page, shall we? <laughs> Why? Let's just well, let's just take that out of the question and just talk about the lyrics. Okay. Can we do? Is okay. that okay? Why would you? Would you? Okay, we'll take it off the table. <laughs> because I don't. Because you, yeah. you're ready to cry. Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> it, it it is like I don't. It's like Comic Sans. <laughs> 
I mean, or maybe the guys have a kind of smooth <laughs> voice, but it's a, it's just okay. Let's just talk about the words. Okay, the words only. So Not comic sans, that's a bad metaphor. It's like <laughs> I don't know. It's it's it is that Steve is Curtis Chapman, like mid nineties. Like I'm gonna assume that you all are all, like kind of quivering balls of emotion, and I'm just going to, you know, like. You, you, you tap know, into it, that a little bit, huh? It's like playing with a water balloon, you know. You if you, you, you poke it, but this is like I'm gonna. You're an emotional. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> the words are. It's 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 almost like a. It's a it's a rebuke of a bad yeah, attitude about Christmas. It's like right? an anti-Christmas hymn. <laughs> Only, but it, yeah. You know, we do this sometimes too. What? So, hey, w- Hebrews ten is the text that does this, where. It said it quotes Psalm forty three or somewhere like that, and it says, "A body you have prepared for me." In the in the in Psalm forty three, it says, "You an ear you have carved me." But in in, in Hebrews ten, it says, a, "A body you have prepared for me." You did not delight in offerings. It it is I have come to do your will, and so it says that it's Jesus talking in the psalm, and he says. You don't want you don't want the sacrifices of goats. You want the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, to end all sacrifices. You want the, mm-hmm. the sacrifice of me. So now I'm going to die on the cross, so that the incarnation is the kind of step one towards crucifixion. It's very it's very interesting to think about this theologically because if you just if you say it's it's probably one of these differences between like between the eastern tradition and the western tradition of christianity is when you you say well what is the important event and uh and you have the incarnation and the crucifixion and they're kind of vying for importance and in the east it's all about the incarnation god with us in the west it's all about the crucifixion which it should, i mean you know you can't have one without the other of course we want to exalt them all and and then include the ascension <laughs> but the, but so the, the incarnation and the crucifixion go together, and so here this thing is saying, the song is saying, it's just not about the manger and the baby and the angels and all this kind of neat stuff. It's about the crucifixion and the resurrection. Or it goes on to say this, it's not about, wait, where did, where did I get the wise men? Jesus came to be born again, stone. It's about the stone that was rolled away. You could, I could have ruled life someday. It's about the cross. It's not about the good things in this life I've done. It's not about... It's not all about the treasures or trophies that I've won. It's not about the righteousness that I've fi- that I find within. It's all about his precious blood that saves me from my sin. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I as as a first reaction, um the the message this song is trying to bring is to to have a, a broader scope of what Christmas is about other than just a baby in a manger, I appreciate because this is something that is often a shortcoming around Christmas time that we'll talk about, you know, a miracle virgin birth, uh, albeit it is a miracle, of course. Um, we talk about the angel of the wise men, but this is all in recognition of what this this God man is here to do. I mean, if we just have, if we just have God with us apart from the atoning death of Jesus— uh, the sacrifice that he's come to win for us the forgiveness of sins, then this is not yet a celebration, right? Because because God God with us just for the sake of being with us is not yet good news, right? 
That's right. Uh, here's the last stanza, I think. It says, uh, it's about God's love nailed to a tree. It's about how every drop of blood that flowed from him when it should have been me. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have life someday. So that's pretty good. I, I, wanna, I wonder how this is going to do in the cruncher. I think it might come out all right, in fact. All right, let's, let's put it to the test. Is Jesus mentioned? Yes. Okay. I wonder if it says Jesus. I mean, it's, it's, it kinda, it's pretty obvious. I saw it somewhere. I mean, it's talking about the manger, the crucifixion. Oh, yeah. yeah it's it's about, about how Jesus yeah. came to be born once. Yeah, that's part of the thing here. Oh, do you hear that noise? Uh, noise. Is that what you call our show now? <laughs> That's right. All I'm right. Offended. So we'll, offended. we'll continue running through this. You've crossed the line. I didn't say you were noise, although that might be fitting. <laughs> we're going to be continuing to push this song through the crunch to see how it does, see if it makes it through on the other side, and then we'll be talking about the Ascension. Stay tuned. All right. We can do no other. Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. One thing we've established is that Jesus is mentioned in this song, It's All About the Cross. So that's that's a good It's kind of hard to sing a song, It's All About the Cross, and not mention Jesus, I suppose. There is, yeah, there would be some difficulty in that, but this song has not uh, committed that error. So we ask now the question, I always get confused because I do this by memory these days, or not so much by memory. Um, does musical content or form come first? Uh, or it doesn't matter. It probably doesn't matter. Form. So let's form talk about mystical first. form. Outside in. It's because that's the second. It moves from the second to third cause in Aristotle's. Got it. Wow. I didn't know so much thought went into that. What? Yeah. Huh. I always, I always love it how you're so astonished. When I, when I usually <laughs> assume that you fall into most of this stuff. <laughs> I remember the other day we were playing Bible Bee and I got the answer right. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like I just sit around all day watching Nacho Libre? Yeah, yeah that That's is like Jim That's like 60% of my time. <laughs> I shouldn't say Nacho Libre because I don't know if the phone listens to me. And now I get a good, I'll get the Nacho Libre, the algorithm, you know, the passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the question next is the mystical form. And it's fairly repetitive, but the thing that it repeats is not that bad. <laughs> it's about the cross. So it's okay so if you're going to have repetition, yeah. repeat the right thing. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, there's something to that. Yeah, sure. It's about the cross. I mean, I don't know. You want to be nitpicky? Uh, that's okay. I mean, I, I, I'm interested when we get to this law gospel question, so I'll see okay, okay. my thoughts on that. So let's, let's move on to then mystical content. I don't think so. It's. I mean, it's trying to focus us from the uh, the words, anyways. Remember, we're not talking about the music. The words are trying to move us inside out. So that's right. It's and in fact, it's it's like you're pushing us away from the sentimentality of Christmas. It's like the angels and the shepherds and the star. And no, it's about the cross. Blam! Remember how? Who's that guy? Remember this guy, Helmut Tilicki? 
Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that guy? Yeah. Some Lutheran guy. The only thing I know about is he wrote a little book about the Lord's Prayer, I think, which I have not read, but I've looked at the outside of it a lot of times. And uh, I think there's a quote in there that is attributed to Luther, that the manger is made from the same wood as the cross. Yeah. Right? I don't actually think Luther said it, but it sounds kind of Lutheran, but this guy, Heimut Tiedlich, he said it. And so this is how we do it at Christmas, like, ah... Look at how sweet baby Jesus is going to die. <laughs> We're kind of terrible at that. The best the best way that I think I saw a picture illustrating it is it had the star over the manger, and the star is shining in the shape of a cross. That's yeah, nice. That's, that's, Hebrews, that's Hebrews 10. Jesus has that body so that he can, so that there's something to nail to the tree. So we tried, we're trying to kind of assault the sentimentality of Christmas with the preaching of the cross. Now, I recently have been thinking a little bit about the sentimentality of these things. And now maybe it's because I'm an old man now. Remember how I'm an old man? Mm-hmm. And there, I think there is maybe more of a place for the sentimental stuff than we, than we normally give credit for. So we are the great kind of, what would you call an iconoclast of sentimentality? Um... I don't know. The great destroyers of sentimentality. The great there, there's a uh, there's a nihilism in our assault of sentimentality, and I've been thinking about it in this context. Remember that promise that that uh, Solomon gives us: train a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. I was listening to I think Ravi Zacharias talk about this. I got to go dig into it, and he and he suggested that a better way to think about this verse. The better way to actually interpret it would be to say that train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, it will not depart from him. Now, again, i got to go and look at it and see if that's actually right. But the idea is that, you know, sometimes you teach the children, and they do leave the faith, but, but it always haunts them. The faith never leaves them. It's always tracking them down. Hmm. It's always an echo in their mind. There's always... The stuff is there, and they're all and and the way it oftentimes shows up is they're always going to remember the smell of Christmas Eve <laughs> at church. They're not, that's never going to leave them. They're always going to remember the the colors that people wore on Easter Sunday. So there there's something about those sentimental moments that kind of that sort of grab on and they just are in some ways it's like. They're lashing you to the church, and I don't want to discount that as much as I used to want to discount it. I mean, I still want to discount it some, but just not as much. Well, I mean, I, so, yeah, so aside from the sentimentality of it all, um, I mean, I, I've seen this a lot, that uh, people will come to the church, maybe they're, let's say, 60, 65, 70 years old, and they'll say, oh, man, I haven't been to been to church in years, but uh, you know, I'm... I'm coming into my life, I'm starting to realize uh, some things, and I want to I want to get back into church. And I came to this Lutheran church because when I was a kid, my grandma brought me to confirmation classes at a Lutheran church or something like this. Now, uh, I bring this out a lot because um, uh, we, we often lament our youth who do not return to the church. And uh, as we should, we should pray for them and ask that the Lord would, would bring them bring them back. But uh, oftentimes, those who are praying most fervently about that never get to see, at least in, yeah. in their lifetime, 
the Lord uh, uh, answer that prayer. That 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 sixty five year old, let's say that that finally came back to the church. Perhaps they had a grandma or a mother who prayed for years and years, and they have uh, since gone to heaven and didn't actually see the moment in, uh, that the that the child went back to church. So um, I, I, I I try to encourage people that uh, yes, it is it is. Uh, disheartening when we see our youth not continue in the church, but we uh, we, we should never take for granted uh, the word of God that has been uh, planted in the hearts of those those young people. Yeah, that's right. So, that's right. but but to your point about the sentimentality, I do think that we have been so kind of anti emotion because we live in a context in which so many people are are manipulating the emotions. Um, in the name of religion, and we don't mm-hmm. want that. So uh, it's possible for us to uh, overcalculate and say, uh, "Well, then we should be we should run from emotion, and uh, that's not ready." Now we shouldn't let emotion be in the driver's seat, which is the point of the praise song cruncher. That we would not identify emotion as some sort of a spiritual connection, mm-hmm. but we should recognize that emotion is part of who we are as human beings, as, as God's creation. That we should recognize. I, I think it's good to maybe uh, notice your emotion and maybe think, why am I having this this feeling? But to not now say, well, this means God is connecting with me or something like that. Hmm. Hmm. That's right. Okay, so we so, did mystical form, mystical, mystical content. Form. Now yeah. we ask question of law and gospel, right? Yeah, you were interested, so what do you think? Well, I, I, I am impressed on this level because we oftentimes will talk about the cross just for the sake of talking about the cross. Sort of, sort of how this song is criticizing the manger, those who would talk about the manger without talking about the whole picture. Some people will then talk about the cross without actually connecting its reason or purpose. But this song does not commit that error either because it says it's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that I could be born again. Um, so that it is connecting the reason for the cross uh, to be because of my own transgression. And then later, uh, this line is is really rather good. It says, um, so that I could be born again. It's about God's love nailed to a tree. It's about how every drop of blood that flowed from him when it should have been me. Now, that's that's fantastic. So you have this uh, substitutionary idea that the blood that should have been spilled because of sin should have been my blood, but Jesus is nailed to a tree in my place. So this this has some real strong marks for law and gospel. What do you think? I think I agree with you. I concur. Why do you sound so surprised when... Uh... Yeah, I can't believe it. <laughs> okay, any other false doctrine not previously addressed? I don't think so. Did you say anything? No. Well, so there you go. How would you, how would you rank this... Uh... I don't think it's, I don't, I'm not, I, so I don't think it's written to be sung. I think it's written to be performed. At what least do that's you mean my re- it's not written to be sung? Listen to this. No, oh, come on. <laughs> it's not all about the treasures. That's all the truth. I could just hear a congregation singing that. Well, okay, there's a part coming about- I want you to, <laughs> Can you sing along when he, when he goes into his falsetto? Oh, yeah. 
Let's hear it. Oh, can I? Come on. <laughs> oh, no. I, that, I don't yeah. know. I Everybody wants to. Now that you said it. <laughs> I didn't really warm up my vocal chords <clears throat> okay. as I normally you, you do. Sing, you play the falsetto <laughs> part, and then I'll sing it, and then you can sing it. So, <laughs> I don't I, even know where it is. Yeah, it's, I'll be, I'll, I'm not, a, I'm not a sh- afraid to be totally ashamed. Okay, obviously. good. I don't know where this is. It's got to be coming up. We have uh, yep. 40 seconds left the in this segment. This is... On the bright and shining star. It's not all about the It's not all about the. Wait, let me find the words. It's not all about the. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not all about the shepherds on the bright and shining star. <laughs> See, I told you it was completely singable. <laughs> Okay, point well made. I wasn't, and I wasn't even trying. <laughs> I mean, I just nailed it. <laughs> so there, there's something about writing a song if it's going to be used for worship that it's actually something that's singable for you know, most people. This song people. needs just banjo. I guess someone or with more a cowbell. Voice. I think it could use some more cowbell. Cowbell and banjo. <laughs> just move it up a little bit. Take out the falsetto. And you'd have yourself a hit right there. <laughs> All right. In the last segment of Table Talk Radio, we're talking about the Ascension with Pastor Wolf Miller's made up game. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Isn't this by definition every game a made up game? No, it's not like there's some games like essential in nature. Or game handed the down most to me by the persevering apostles. listeners in radio. <laughs> That's You're true. listening to Table Talk Radio. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. DJ Quads better look out. That song was coming. But All right. not Joel. <laughs> All right, so you have a game about the Ascension. You sent me this article that says doctrines bound up by the Ascension of Jesus, a quick list. Tell me about this. I don't know. This is a while ago. 2018? That's not that long ago. Seems like a long time ago. The Ascension, I was just putting together some just uh, kind of like some categories to think about the ascension, uh, ascen- ascension of Jesus. So talk about the throne of Jesus, what that means, how Jesus enters into the office of advocate and priest, how Jesus is sending, how he's exalted. How, these just kind of categories for thinking about the Ascension. I think probably seems like I had a longer list at some point. Maybe it got longer after this, but but that when Jesus goes into when Jesus goes into heaven, sits down at the right hand of the Father, he takes up his his kind of full office now, and so he rules and he reigns. He receive he he he's our advocate, he's our priest, and so forth and so on. And traditionally, uh, the work of Jesus has been put into these three categories: Jesus is the prophet, and Jesus is the priest, and Jesus is the king. All of those, and I, I I used to wonder about those categories if they were helpful, so but they went from being from being very helpful to I didn't think they were helpful to now I think they're supremely helpful. I'm I'm working my way back. So in some ways we can look at the ascension through those three lenses. Jesus enters into the full office of prophet, into the full office of king, into the full office of priest. Now they get mingled. And that's part of the joy of it, because it's all Jesus and all his work. 
So, so I think the way that this game will work is I will talk of an aspect of the Ascension, maybe a particular verse of the Ascension, and you can uh, tell me uh, if you think it fits best with the office of prophet or the office of priest or the office of king. Okay. But I really want to kind of look at Psalm 110, which has all three of them. But maybe we can just warm up a little bit. But don't let me forget to get to Psalm 110. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, so, here's one. He, uh, this is from Psalm, 60, Psalm 68, quoted in Ephesians 4. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Hmm. Led captivity captive. Uh, I would uh, venture to say that this is towards his office as king. Um, you know, we, see, we think of a king like we think of the president of the United States who's the um, commander-in-chief. And he sits in the Oval Office with security guards around him and never probably even dirties his hands, especially <laughs> during this time. You know, President Trump was a germaphobe. Never shook anyone's hand. Did you know that? No. But he realized, who has ever heard of a potential, uh, I should say, a presidential candidate who did not shake anyone's hand? <laughs> that you couldn't have a president. So he had to go out there and shake hands? He, he, had, he had to overcome this this little phobia of shaking people's hands in order to run for president. In any case, the point is is that uh, our our leaders uh, have others kind of do their work, but kings in the ancient world were actually the ones out there doing the fighting. I mean, they were, they were, they were out there. They were leading, and so um, I want to say that this is uh, king. Um, now, I I also see though that there is a place for a priest here because the priest. Um, uh, well, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with king. Actually, I'm gonna stick with king. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. King. Okay. Got another one. Uh, yeah. What about this one? What about Table Talk um, Radio Points? What about that? Uh, 200. Nice. Okay. What about this one? Um, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 1 John 2, 1. Yeah. Now, that this one is priest. So remember that, that there's this kind of two directions of the work of the priest, so that the the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and... and, and uh, make atonement on Yom Kippur on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. And so th- this was this was something that, that the priest was doing on behalf of the people. And then the priest would come out and uh, declare that atonement has been won and accomplished, uh, or I should say maybe accomplished, um, that, that uh, blood has covered over the, the mercy seat. And so that that proclamation is the priest acting from, of God to the people. And so in this text, read it again for me. Uh, we, ha- uh, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the so, righteous one. So there Jesus is acting as the priest on our behalf to go before God the Father. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That word, by the way, is paraclete. Yeah, we were talking about this. So in um, it, our, our gospel text for last Sunday, as we record here, uh, May 18th, uh, from John 14. Um, I like that you're on the three-year lectionary now. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, that It says that um, I will send a another helper or another paraclete. And um, some of the guys that I studied Greek with were talking about how at first blush it seems odd that it would talk about another paraclete. 
Mm -hmm. um, because what we do is we associate the word paraclete as akin to the Holy Spirit. Um, but paraclete meaning simply like advocate. So we have an advocate in Jesus, and then Jesus sends another advocate, the Holy Spirit. Oh, proceeds from the Father and the Son, I should say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that fantastic? All right, you uh, another one? Uh, sure. Okay, so let me do... Or do you want to go to Psalm uh, 110 now? We have about well, five almost, minutes left. Okay, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit the Comforter, John fourteen sixteen Acts 2, Pentecost, etc. Oh, um... Hmm. Well, this could be king or prophet. Uh, king, insofar as the king is kinging, <laughs> doing his king work. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, all, all the works that deal with kind of uh, caring for the people. And um, so that could be king. could also be prophet in that the, uh, so the, the emphasis of the office of prophet is that the prophet speaks on behalf of God and brings a message. And so that Jesus is uh, bringing this uh, message, or even um, uh, the 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 third person of the Trinity Himself. Um, so I don't know. What do you think on that? I'm going to get king yeah. or prophet. I think prophet is good for that one. Yeah. Okay, Psalm 110. The most famous. I'm going to give you uh, another 200 points. Like bring your total to 800 or something. Wow. Now, Psalm. There's there's a couple of great riddles about Jesus in the. Uh, in the Old Testament. One is, so how can Jesus be both uh, the king and the priest? Because remember, the king comes from David and the priest comes from Levi. <laughs> you can't do both, Judah and Levi. And so Psalm 110 actually answers that riddle. It says he, he'll be a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. But it introduces another riddle when it says that he is David's son and David's Lord, remember? And this is the riddle that Jesus uses to stump the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. The Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So the Lord shall send to the rod of strength out of Zion to rule in the midst of your enemies. So now, so but let's just um, uh, uh, walk through Psalm 110 and you tell me, the, it's about the ascension. You tell me the office. Ready? Yep. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Yeah. Uh, so the ruling in the midst of your enemies is king. Uh, sit at my right hand is king. So, I mean, this this is the thing that it's important to talk about during the uh, ascension is that um, this right hand is the place of authority, the place that uh, that all authority. So Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And... Um, we see there that Jesus is speaking not only according to his divine nature, but also according to his human nature. I should say even especially according to his human nature, because uh, as true God, uh, he already had all authority. But now as a as a man, Jesus has all authority. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, office of king. Then now let's take this verse four. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Hmm, which one would that be? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say this one might go more towards the office of priest. Now, mm -hmm. the point about Melchizedek, though, is because um, Melchizedek, we have a uh, a very brief mention of Melchizedek in Genesis <clears throat> after the the kings were were um, defeated, and um, and we don't know a lot about Melchizedek. Now, it's I mean the way that I understand it is that in the, in 
and the the way of thinking in the Hebrew mind that if you don't have these things recorded, then they don't actually have an existence. Um, so that if Melchizedek, there's no family tree for Melchizedek, there's no death certificate for Melchizedek, so that he uh, is without beginning, without end. So whereas a priest in the lineage of Aaron would have a term limit, an <laughs> uh, order in the in the order of Melchizedek is a priest forever. Mm-hmm. Isn't it fantastic? Okay, one minute left here. So the, here's now the rest of the is pretty kingly, but I'm going to give you the one that comes closest to the prophet. He shall judge among the nations. I'm going to say that goes to prophet. Yeah, it's kind of kingy, <laughs> but it's the closest one to the prophet is making these judgments, right? Uh, you know, making these rulings because Jesus sits on the throne as the. Now remember, in the ancient world, the king was also making the judgments. But that's why, I mean, that's the kind of the closest that they get to the prophetic role. Uh, like Solomon, you know, making the judgment between the right. the baby and mm-hmm. everything like this. So it's fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. So uh, last word on the ascension, the 20 seconds here. Well, we should rejoice that in Ephesians 1 is the key here. We rejoice that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father for what purpose? To rule and reign, rule and reign in the world for the sake of his church, for the sake of of your congregation, for the sake of your family. And you, he's ruling there for you. So the one who sits on the throne is the lamb who was slain. Ah. Just like the song said, it's not about the cradle. It's not about the throne. It's still about the cross. In your falsetto. All right, that's all the time we have. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Oh, what was your buzzword again? Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk oh, Radio yeah. is not for everyone. Please After consult your pastor show, before listening to Table Talk ask, Radio. Bro. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.